Hi everyone, it's Jamie. I just want to share with you that my new book, Toxic Relationship Recovery, is available now. This book is for anyone who is healing after a harmful relationship, but it's also for people that are looking to identify toxic traits, toxic behaviors, and toxic strategies that get used upon people every single day. The second half of the book teaches you strategies to heal your inner voice and find your authentic self after experiencing this type of harm. I'm looking forward to you all reading it and hearing your feedback from it. It's available today. Find Toxic Relationship Recovery wherever you buy books. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are, and exploring who we are becoming. Life is natural banter. What's our natural banter? This is it. This is so natural. Hello. How are you today? (laughs) Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I was this close to Xing out the entire podcast. I was like on an X and I was like, oh, that would throw you guys through a loop. Okay. So welcome back. You know, this is Unlearned. We have a special treat for you guys because we don't typically do a lot of interviews. Um, We are bringing more interviews in the summer on. So we're excited to introduce you to some new faces and kind of hear some new perspectives. And today we have a comedian with us, Miles Weber. And say hi, Miles. (laughs) Say hi. We want you in our banter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll banter with you guys. Yeah, no, I, I like. I never like to assume that I can, I can be invited to the banter. That feels interesting. It's, it's a free for all. It's a free for all banter space here. Thank goodness. <laughs> Miles, it took us like ten episodes to not interrupt each other. Me and C just spent probably the first ten hours of this podcast. Yep, just, just learning, interrupting each other. Each other. So you are allowed to join in and interrupt and banter with us at any time. <laughs> okay, noted. Duly noted. Beautiful. All right, I'll turn my my bantometer on. So what have you yes. been banter about? We're really we're really bad at banter. Uh, it depends what on the mood and the tone fire? of the banter you want to have. You know, I mean, I know some people, they seem to be pretty married to misery, so they banter about like politics mm. or things like that. Ooh, that's, that's rough. That's not usually fun. Some people banter That's about rough. sports. That seems pretty annoying most of the time, too. Um, uh, and the weather, I know when you get older, I think once you start getting that discount at Denny's, you're just like, it's cold outside. My knee told me the other day. And uh, so I know people banter about that, but I don't have any of those things. So Wait, can um, I pause for a second? Is that real? Do yeah. people actually know the weather because of their knees? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever pain or arthritis joints. you have in certain joints. Yeah. yeah, the joints, they're just like, oh, man, it's going to it's going to rain tomorrow <laughs> just because they're in some type of weird pain. So, Wait, yeah, no, seriously? that's 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 been a seriously? thing across the board that I met with uh, after you get to past a certain age. Yeah. OK, so all yeah. I'm thinking of is in Mean Girls when that girl uses her boobs as weather prediction. Yeah. And I but go, it's because it's but like actually being real. rained on. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like actively mm-hmm. being rained on. Yeah, that's hilarious. But I, yeah, the the knee thing that's is real because like. like humidity mm-hmm. and like barometric pressure drops and all of that like do weird things to the joints. Yeah, and and knees run terrible. Knees are pretty 
out of, out of most body parts. Knees uh, hold up very little. Knees and hips. We don't seem to be taking care of uh, our knees and hips very much. Wait, so like, when do my knees start telling me the weather? <laughs> you'll you'll um, find when you know. No, I mean, you're like, and, and I. I don't want to know, but I know that people are saying it when your 30s, close to 40, things start happening in your body. And I would just want to know when they happen to me. I mean, it, yeah, that's the other thing, though, because I've known some I think it just depends on how much you're taking care of your body, you know. Um, and so because I've I've known just from working in with my wife in the health and wellness industry briefly and that's her industry more than mine but i was a personal trainer for a couple of years and there were some dudes and and ladies that man they worked out and they were like i was like how old are you like 40 and they're like 65 and i'm like shut up like you look amazing and then there was this one 72 year old that was like running spartan races and stuff with my wife back in the day and so so yeah i mean i think it just kind of depends on like when do you start taking care of your like body as a whole like i know white people discover lotion too late in the game and that's why a lot of us look like old catcher's mitts (laughs) i mean also i i always envy people that tan right now they always like show up Mm -hmm. super tan in the first Mm -hmm. few weeks of like june and july and i'm always like you guys look so tan and then I realize it's just their body like absorbing Mm. the skin or the skin absorbing, (laughs) absorbing the sun. And I'm like, okay, so my option is either like pasty or like Mm -hmm. slightly crispy on my end because I don't really tan. And then I think like I'm so envious of their like sun absorption. Yeah. You you only go original recipe or extra crispy. You don't have anything in the middle, and they got this whole section of like skinless that it's just looks they're good. Just like there's so much like I don't know. They just look like so like I don't know. Like they just have this look to them, and I'm like I'm envious. But then I guess it reminds me of where that comes from, which is the sun. All right, my wife is that person it. though. Like I mean, like, she she she's a, she's that person. If she thinks about the sun or like walks in front of yep. a box of raisin bran, she'll immediately bronze with the sun on the cover I'm dead. Um, that's amazing i i know we probably let's get into it because people are gonna be like so confused so they're gonna be like wait <laughs> why is there you guys had guy? a comic on to talk about skin what are we doing <laughs> yeah actually this is the sunscreen lesson everyone wear your sunscreen take care and lotion. now we're yes we're gonna we're gonna bring on the dermatologist now here any minute now to to round out the conversation with some warnings about sunscreen. Anyway, there's I'm always sure. a discretionary <sighs> warning. Wear your sunscreen. Okay, mm-hmm. so why don't I just introduce you and then we can kind of just tell the story of like how we ended up sure. here and let's just do that. So yeah. to all of our listeners, Miles is a comedian. Miles, I'm gonna just read a little bit of um you know his bio just so you can get to know him if he's a new face for you. Miles Weber's viral success online is taking him on tour. He's racked up 60 million views across all platforms, was featured on MTV's greatest party story ever told. Ooh, I want to hear this. And had a top 10 special on the Dry Bar Comedy app in 2021. This prompted him to film a second special with the company due out this fall. So guys, he has another special coming out soon. And in addition to performing, he also runs an online coaching company where he and other comedians teach comics to be more professional on and off stage, which we love that. So welcome, Miles. Hi, thanks for having me. Good to be here. 
<laughs> so what I wanted to what I wanted to do was like tell the listeners a little bit about how you found yourself um here and yes. then we can go from there. Uh, I mean, as most situations I find myself in, it all starts with a good idea for my wife. That's usually how the I find myself in these situations. She was like, hey, you know, you're getting a following online. You should ask your followers like what podcasts they want to like listen to you on. I was like, that's like a really good idea. I think I'll do that. And so I uh, I did. And this was one of the many podcasts that people were saying they wanted to hear me on. And I went and looked at all of them. I was like, oh, well, let me check it out. And so, yeah, looking at this one, I was like, oh, this is kind of right up my alley. I mean, because my wife and I, we used to do a mental health podcast together. Oh, that's cool. uh, and yeah, so I mean, just the idea of like uh, kind of uh, unpacking and unlearning different types of unhealthy things that you might have experienced or used as a means to cope through trauma early on and in your age and things like that. Uh, we're big fans of that. And right now this, uh, I just recorded another special and that was very much so the topic of the special, which is just kind of, uh, breaking a, a intergenerational family cycle of, uh, uh, my family cycle was, uh, as my therapist put it, what did she say? Anger manifested through narcissistic tendencies um like, man that sounds really really fancy and i was That's like heavy. is there like a layman's term for that she's like i ah, just kind of being a dick a lot of the time <laughs> I'm like oh okay all right right on perfect yeah so yeah so i was able to come on and and i, I slid into the dms as it were and was just like hey no yeah this one seems like it would be uh a good fit if you'd like to have me on to talk about things because i think there's things to do with humor and like that whole mental health side of things that not a lot of people talk about. So here we are. Yeah. I mean, we did. So I was going to, yeah, the episode C, I was going to mention to you that we talked about humor. Yep. We did. I was going to bring it up too. We've had one other top, uh, one other episode before where we talked about how people use humor in like a sort of a weaponized way and like cut people down with it or totally like disregard somebody's experience or feelings by like sweeping over it mm -hmm. with a joke. Um, so we kind of talked about mm -hmm. that side, but with you, we kind of wanted to explore a, a different side of humor, which is, well, we'll get into a couple different things, but I think there's mm -hmm. a lot to be said about the intersectionality of humor and mental health. And there is a healthy way to apply humor. And then there can be a sort of avoidant way <laughs> to apply humor to mm -hmm. sort of like, let's not dig deep into our feelings because that hurts so mm -hmm. we're just gonna make a joke about it and and mm -hmm. and pass it off so we do that to ourselves so kind of when somebody else does it to you you know that's like super an unhealthy dynamic and that's what our other episode was about and we really kind of wanted to speak to that if you're being invalidated in that way like here's some skills on how to manage that but what about when we do that to ourselves <laughs> and we just shut our own feelings down by mm -hmm. rushing over it with humor and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I very much so when I was in my early 20s was all about that life. Um, I was new to the comedy scene because I started doing stand up when I was 19. And so uh, I very much so was just in a group of people who that's just our life as comics is humor is the bandaid over the gaping wound. Let's just do this as a means to cope and we'll ride this out. And uh, I think it was when my wife and I, my wife and I, we were friends for a long time before we started dating. We were friends for like three years before we started dating. Uh, and I think we were hanging out one time and it was after a show. And I was very much, we were at like a Denny's or something. And I was very much still 
on and just joke da 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 and she just looked at me and she just shook her head and went like this she just went mm, mm. i'm like are you trying to turn me down right now <laughs> and she's like oh yeah she's like you're still on man like and we're all just kind of hanging out now right like we're just kind of chilling i'm just trying to have like a normal conversation with you you know you don't need to go for the joke every single time with everything you know how do i know that you're being genuine and i'm like that is a very valid point uh and now having been in this industry as long as i have i know all too many comics where relationships didn't work out over time because it was always about the joke they could never really have an honest conversation with a person and so then i mean after i spent years in therapy of like unpacking why i use humor as that means of coping and things like that i was like oh okay well other people might not be in that headspace to receive the very dark joke in the very dark time that's going to kind of break the tension but not everybody wants that um so then i just kind of learned about like understanding where other people are at and being able to kind of read the room to be like all right this doesn't seem like a situation where we have a bunch of comics whose humor skews a little darker anyway and so uh this doesn't seem like that situation so maybe i'll like just kind of be more on the listening side of things and the empathetic side of things and so being able to kind of navigate that helped me as far as being able to decipher between the two and being able to shift gears if I needed to, uh, as it were. But yeah, no, it just really kind of invalidates a lot of what a person's going through when, you know, you're always making uh, something the joke or it's, uh, you know, like we have to find the joke. You know, I think I heard Jerry Seinfeld in an interview recently talk about how he's just like his curse is like he's always looking for the joke every second of every day and i think howard stern was interviewing he's like that sounds exhausting to be around he's like it is that's why why do you think i haven't been able to make like too many relationships work it's because i'm always looking for the joke and so yeah no if you if you're too married to that life then it's really hard to expect others to kind of follow suit with that you know so i mean coming from a place of empathy and understanding other people is important i mean i think this fits in really well with the podcast because with the listeners that have been with us from the beginning, you know, one of the things we talk about consistently is how healing can't really be all or nothing. It can't be all one thing and nothing of the other. And so, and mm -hmm. I think of how you talk about comedy, I think really what healing and recovery looks like is creating moderation, discretion, and honoring the balance, which is, a really beautiful thing for relationships to be able to cultivate, right? So if your partner was actually doing that from a place of like love and she was like, hey, you know, I care about you and, you know, let's learn how to transition, you know, like let's learn how to, you know, counter some of the, the creative energy with like resting energy or, you know, recovery or cultivating new depth to a relationship that's not always anchored to comedy. And that's why when CA talked about the other episode, we did talk a lot about like how it was used and how it can be used. And what we were want to kind of like guide to this episode and how we wanted it to be different was being able to find that balance or like the healing part of humor and how to develop that like discretion. Because if anyone can speak to this, Miles, it's you because I don't find the joke in everything. If anything, I find the the I was like thinking about what my joke is in your world I'm like okay it's not a joke I don't try to find a joke what I try to find is some like 
existential meaning of something. It's so true. And I go real, and CA's like, oh my God, yeah. 100%. yeah. You know, I'm She's thinking like, about that D&D game actually- that we played. <laughs> Did you hear me? Oh, Wait. Oh my God. So I'm going to tell that story real quick. We try to, well, we play, I play D&D weekly, well, not weekly, but mostly weekly with a group. Jamie was in town visiting and we had her, her and her partner, like just jump in for a session. And there was like yeah. this whole scene. I don't know if you played it before or anybody's familiar. It's just like a role-playing game, right? So we all just these characters. Yeah. And there's like this scene with like this creature and like our band of misfits. That's like the regulars. We went about that scenario in a certain way, which was like pretty dismissive of this character, which is not like if you ever played D&D, sometimes you have to like go on a journey and like pay attention. And other times you're like, that's a side quest. I don't have time for it. And so we just like shut this whole situation down. And then Jamie was like, but what if we were supposed to learn something from this? character and we were like jame it's okay <laughs> it's really okay <laughs> oh that you're the per so like this is to to go on an alternative nerd quest if this was like pokemon you would be talking to every character that yes. you pass just to make sure that their feelings were valid and well it wasn't even it wasn't even like their feelings like my brain was like surely everything in this game must have a meaning. So if a new character comes in, it's supposed to bring us either some kind of source of like character development. Wounded. Yeah. This is a character development story. Right. So she's sitting there. She's like, it's not that serious. It's just (laughs) like, we either walk away or we just kill the dude. And I go, why would we kill the dude? What if he has like information to share with us? She's like, just kill him. And I was like, and I had to be the one that killed him. So then the DM, or the, yeah, the, 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 he literally, the DM's like sitting there and he's like, why are you so devoted to this random character? So I clearly do have this problem, Miles, where I see things and I have a hard time balancing like where the meaning and where it's like almost lighter, right? right? Like it can be lighter, right? So anyways, all of that to be said, I think what, when people can do this well, they can catch Oh, there is supposed to be balance. There are characters that are not going to be bringing anything to you. It's just like moving on, keep going. And nope. with you, Miles, I could see like with comedy, if it, it, what did you say? Jer- uh, Seinfeld was like that. Like, yeah. I absolutely think people don't take this seriously about nope. how to find a balance. Because if you think about that with me, if you guys were in partnerships with me, you might be like Jamie, like, everything can't be existential everything and you I might I've had this conversation with my partner where he sat down and he goes yes these systems are harmful and like the patriarchy and capitalism and all this stuff and he's like I understand that exists and our entire day does not have to be that heavy and he's had to walk me through that and there's a part of me that's I'm like but it could be right but it's like that comedian's like but it there is a joke there, be right? Funny. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. an itch to scratch. It's like an itch to scratch. I think it's about the balancing act of where do you want to put your energy throughout the course of a day? Because, yeah, there's times where I have it carved out where I'm just like, okay, this much of the day can be about looking for the joke. And that's usually when my wife and I'll sit and we'll have those conversations where I'm just like, was there something funny here? What about this, that, the other? And then once we were kind of done with that subject, I immediately eject and come back to earth where there are real things happening around me and I'm not in joke land in my head. So, yeah, I mean, I think when your partner is talking about like, yeah, these things are terrible, but how much of your energy do you want to continue to give it throughout the rest of the day? 
Like, can you conceivably get something out of putting your energy into it for the whole day? Probably not. It's probably going to become counterproductive at some point, you know, but there needs to come that stopping point where you can find it, where it's just like, okay, I'm upset about this. And then in the moment I did this action and is there anything else I could do beyond that action right now? No. Okay. Let me just put it down altogether then and just move forward and 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 accept that because i think there's a lot of people who are like we don't accept that and for my span it's just like no there's got to be more maybe there's got to be something more here and it's just like yeah but i don't know that you're going to get through it today i think it's just starting to drive you crazy because it seems like you're starting to get to like that when you start getting to i call it the rah-rah you know when you start getting to a place of like rah, 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 okay we need to just kind of reset right now yeah, because you're not really can you think of anything you've done exceedingly well in your life when you were frustrated or angry probably not so that's where i start to get so overly passionate there's a line of it with me because of how i am as a comic and a person that's funny and that's why a lot through my childhood people like starting they like stirring me up because if i get to that very high like yelly ranty place i would do it in a funny and ridiculous way because I would just kind of like unload. And so, but it's just a matter of knowing when to cap that for myself. So yeah, I think people just need to kind of be aware of when they're getting to the rah-rah. And if it's not useful for you, we should probably eject and like come back and go do something else that is way less rah-rah if we can, you know, like you got a family, play with your kid, hang out with them, put the phone down for a little bit, you know, I mean, work on a puzzle if you don't or whatever is that nice little meditative thing for you to do to kind of reset your brain, clean something if you're like me, you know, that's a, that's a thing that'll always reset me, I'll start cleaning something, but I also have OCD, so that's a lot of that too. So, but yeah, it, I, I think being able to identify the rah-rah and when it's coming up and knowing how to kind of like put it away for a second is very, very valuable in those things. Yeah, that's really, really useful because I was going to say like in, it's almost like an internal awareness of your own, like knowing what your own like default homeostasis self feels like. And then like from there, you can start to kind of like start being aware and paying attention to like how far up the ramp you've gone from that like homeostasis level. And if you feel like, Ooh, I am so far up the ramp, I'm about to launch, you know, maybe we, maybe we, you know, turn around and come down the ramp a little bit and get back to that, like little more homeostasis feeling. So that's, yep. that's really useful information. I think what's healing about it though, is people are like, well, where is the healing process in it? And I'm like, to me, it is about like that learning curve of like what CA said, starting with awareness. And you know, all of our listeners know that we've gone through a stage. So like we have awareness, we have like knowledge, belief, all this stuff. Um, but when we talk about the stages of healing, when you think about the active process of what healing is going to feel like, it's going to be noticing that I'm in my creative process. This is working. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm integrating in my relationships well today. And then noticing that the energy is kind of going past a threshold. And that to me is the healing process is like when you can notice, and this is why for any listeners, if they're like, well, I don't use humor, right? But you guys listen, like I just explained to you, I can, I can do this with the like deep existential thought and making it so heavy. So to me, there is validity in like going into your craft, being creative. Like it's like the, the, you know, 
the artist who spends a bunch of time in their studio and they need to eat and they need to have relationships and they need to have, you know, passions that aren't fixated on just one thing, right? So if you take it back to almost like a general sense of healing, that is the discretion that I think is the healing part of this experience, which is when you can notice that there is something slightly shifting the balance or there's a pivot point that's happening, when you can be the person, the generator of that notice, like when you're noticing yourself, that's a huge sign that like you're creating the skills it takes to be that like self-moderator, right? And that's what I think is beautiful is like, with you, we know it's like it's humor, like CA. I don't know if CA's maybe I'm not going to push you in the corner, but for me, it's existential, you know? So, but when we talk about humor being healing, obviously we have the discretionary piece, smiles, but we also, I think I wanted to talk about like a little bit going in a direction of when you've been able to figure that out and you've been able to find a expression of creativity and it's actually made you better for it right it's not it's not deprecating it's not trauma inducing it's not reliving problems it's actually like hey this is part of my healing yeah oh yeah for sure usually in those instances i mean when when it's part of your healing i mean i think it's just like you need to be able to find the person around you to get it out to who understands that it's part of your healing because i think so much we're just kind of like letting everybody be a part of the process and not letting them in on what's going on so like for me if i'm gonna need to get like the dark jokes out there's a couple of comics that i can get on a text thread or a video chat thread with and we could kind of get it out to each other about a certain situation or things that are happening. Um, sometimes I can get it out to my wife. Uh, like There were instances, uh, like for example, recently a friend of mine who was a comic and I've known him as long as I've been doing comedy, he lost a 10 year battle with cancer and that was really, really hard. And so to my wife, I was kind of one way and getting certain things out. And then she was very empathetic and awesome because that's what she does and then to a couple of our friends in our close friend circle of comics when i started talking with them it very much so was like we were all sad we admitted that we were sad and then there was a moment of silence and then one person lets out one little joke about it and then the other we all kind of like look at each other and then the next one goes and it's a little bigger and we're like uh uh and then once all of us all three of us threw one in we're all kind of in a point of agreement it's like okay we're just going to play war with jokes right now what about this one all right all right what do you got what about this one okay and so it became and i showed my wife the conversation she was like you could not have that conversation with me um and i was like i know these guys i can I can I can do it over here. This is my outlet. This is our safe space. We've all kind of agreed without saying it to each other that this is what we're doing here. So we'll let it out here. And we all appreciate it afterwards, after we got done laughing and crying, <laughs> that we're like, okay, thanks for that. Thanks for that. I feel a little bit better. And we're like, okay. So yeah, so much of it is just like, you know, don't dump all of your stuff on everybody all the time. You know, you got to know I, yeah. when... It's time. There's a time and a place for it. Read the room as best you can, but have those people where it's understood 
when times go this way, we seem to both cope in a similar way. So how about we be coping buddies in that regard? Whereas with me and this person, it might be different. And so we're going to kind of agree that we're going to cope in a different way. I feel like too much. We're just like, well, this is how I cope and everybody else needs to figure it out. No, that's probably not good. So don't just like throw your coping on someone else. You know, I mean, it's talk of just like, hey, what do you got? You know, oh, okay, I got one of those cards. Well, then we'll we'll do this together, maybe, and we'll see how we like it. Yeah, it's a matter of like understanding and meeting people where they're at, and then going from there. I think, but that's just something we just are too okay. used to not talking about. So I want to talk to you about that at the now. Now we're gonna take that. We're gonna expand that because you're describing how you implement humor or versus not implement humor, like within the context of just your personal relationships, right? Your, your wife yeah. and your friends now expanding that out to like an audience. How do you know where to find that balance? Like how do you get the temperature of the audience that you're is in front of you with like, how dark can we go with these folks? Like yeah. when it's just a room full of strangers, how do you do that? Um, I mean, so as a comic, you learn, hopefully early on in your career to read the room. And that's usually done the first five minutes that you're on stage. You've got um, usually lead off with like your second best joke, which is one joke that you've got. That's pretty fail safe. It works pretty universally in front of a lot of audiences might be about you. So that way they stop thinking about assumptions in your, their head about you. Uh, and so being able to do that and get a reaction that, you know, a good laugh off top that, put you in your best foot forward. Then it's a matter of like understanding the category of jokes that you share with the audience. You know, if you're one that does ride that line of like, this stuff's going to be a little darker. Well, you're probably going to need to, it's like a sour, it's like the opposite of a sour patch. Like we're going to start really, 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 really sweet. And like, I, depending on how dark I want to go later, it's going to need this sustain, you know, um, I always think of it as just kind of like I'm I'm putting a down payment on your attention later right now. So with this hour I just did, we did very much so towards the end, we went off a cliff together and had some moments of just silence and like, is this tension ever going to break? Um, and so up until that point, it was just a matter of like building that trust, understanding like where I'm at with the set and the jokes that I have and what level they are. And then we start with something real nice and soft and cushy-wushy and lovey-dovey and isn't this fun. And then we'll start to kind of like go up from there. But it's just a matter of like being a comic long enough to know and understand that relationship. You know, you should be able to call an audible if in the first five minutes something isn't working. All right, well, plan B are these jokes. Plan C are these jokes. Maybe I'll talk to you guys. Do you guys want to be talked to? Is that what's going on right now? And so you kind of just generally from like that broad standpoint, you go through the Rolodex of your audibles and see what makes the next sense from a standpoint of trying to be on a more like i'm gonna get dark usually you don't want to hit them in the throat with it up front like um unless you're already lying uh, <laughs> he's a comic who very i think one of the opening jokes for his one of his specials many many years ago and it was very topical then was he just came on stage didn't say hi how you doing he just said i'm glad heath ledger died and i'll tell you why and oh, that's how wow. he started to set. You're an wow. enemy to the people. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And it was Ew. like short. It was like within a year or two after he died, he did that special. What the 
And That's the joke, well, because Artie, Artie's very much so, and he's kind of overweight and not Heath Ledger looking. And so he, his joke was after they stopped their visceral reaction was he was like, I kept losing that rolls for that guy, like just every <laughs> single time, <laughs> and just oh and so very very dark especially for then super duper dark and ill-advised for now but that's an example of like yeah you might not want to chop him in the throat with the hard stuff immediately you know so so that's where you want to ideally kind of build this rapport and then hopefully people stick around towards the end related question because i love getting into this nitty-gritty is where do you decide where the line is with like your own personal content i watch a lot of comedy and like some comics you know they just talk about the world and society and like make jokes about life itself but some comics it their whole set is just about their own personal life and i've seen some more successful than others you know some you're sitting there going like, is this person like in it? Like, are they like drowning right now? Should we be laughing? Like you get a little uncomfortable because it's like so upsetting to hear some of the things that they're like joking about that you're like, ah, is it okay to laugh? So like, is that something you talk about with your coaching clients? And like, how did you figure out how to do that as a comic? Like, how do you find that balance of like, just how personal to go? Uh, it's something, yeah, for sure that I absolutely talk to a lot of the comics that I coach about, which is eventually they get it all out and I'm listening to it. And then when they're done, I'm like, is this bit for you or is this coming from a healed place? And generally they kind of stop for a second ago. Uh, and so I'm just like this, cause there's a lot of like, usually there's name calling. Or there's like some type of like they seem bitter and resentful about what they're talking about. And I'm like, this seems like it's a little bit more for you. And you're really harping on the audience being on your side that you're the victim in this situation. And it's not really coming from a place of like you're healed. And so as long as it tends to come from a healed place, then the audience can be better accepting of it. And usually a sign of something that comes from a healed place is there's more nuance to what you're talking about. You know, I mean, a lot of this special that I just did was my wife usually co-writes things with me. This special, she was more of a consultant. I would just bring everything to her and be like, this is what I'm thinking of saying on stage. And she's like, "Mm, is that coming from a healed place or are you just mad? And I was like, I'm just mad. (laughs) And so it was just, and so, yeah. And I was just like, she's like, this joke is good, but the rest of it, it seems like you could probably do without. I'm like, okay, I'll keep that joke and I'll go back. Thank you. And then I would run back to the room. And so it's a matter of like being more nuanced with the situation. I can't, I didn't really want to come from a place of just like, well, here are all the nitty gritty details of the situation that I'm in right now in my personal life. And this is why you should feel bad for me because this is really hard in this situation. And, da, da, da. and it's like, that can't be the reason why you're giving the people the joke is this is why you should feel bad for me. Mm, well, that's very like victimhood mentality and you might not be presenting it from a healed place, but you start keeping things more to just the fact of a situation that happened and your funny response to that situation or the funny end result to that situation. That's where it tends to get a little easier, you know, and and then just a matter of like, how can you stack the jokes on top of each other in a quicker way that tends to kind of help people with like, they don't really have time to 
postulate as much about if you're coming from it from a heel place because there's just a relentless onslaught of punchlines to it. So like one that I have in my act now that people kind of go, hmm, this took a turn is about uh, growing up in a household where my parents fought a lot. And so that was just kind of how I was brought up. But they would you could set your watch by it because it would build every two years and then they would have a massive argument. They would take me to McDonald's, get me a happy meal, sit me down and tell me they were going to get divorced. And then they never got divorced. Uh, so every two years, that was just the cycle we were on. And that gives you a McDonald's complex at this point. If there's golden arches in heaven, I'm going to be like, is it my fault? Is it me? Because <laughs> I was getting unhappy meals from a very oh, early so age. Unhappy. My dad came in hot. He was like, ba -da -ba -ba -ba, I'm leaving her. And, <laughs> and so just like the onslaught <laughs> of joke after joke after joke after no. joke in the rough situation. That's oh kind of like gosh. me going to the audience. Like I came out the other side of it. It's okay. These are very light yeah. and stuffy. I'm not calling, I'm not belittling them for the situation that they very much so found themselves in. And it's not my relationship. It's their relationship. So I'm not going to sit here and have an opinion about like, was it good or bad? Who knows? But I will say more that this was my experience. Your experience, that, yeah. This that situation. So as long as it keeps coming back to how you experience this thing without very many of your necessarily like opinions on the matter, as long as you can keep coming back to forth to ride that line, then it's going to come from more of a healing place and it's going to be a better piece. There's going to be jokes about the other side of the coin, you know, and so much we don't. I think that's just healthy from a just living standpoint is like, yeah, but what's the other person experiencing and how could that be funny and intertwined as well? Like being able to just always consider what other people are going for them is how you make sure things come from a more healed place. But I for sure have seen comedy specials uh, recently where it just seems like people are just kind of dumping all of their innards outward and they didn't really do a lot of the, the healing work as it were to move past that and everything like that. And that's, that's a, that's a hard sit because it gets really, the, the tension just feels like it's never going to break. And sometimes it doesn't. And it feels really disappointing when that tension never breaks, you know? Um, so that's the hard line to, to walk, but I think that's where it, I think that's how you navigate it as, as, as best that I have found right now. I think it's like this almost collective understanding of like, am I creating a set to be validated by your laughing or am yeah. I creating a set to be laughed at or am I creating a set to be collectively everyone enjoying this experience like we're all laughing together and this is actually yes. like an uplifting even if they're dark topics like you walk away being like that dude like solid you know he's a solid dude right so or woman, whatever. And so like, if you think about the different types of approaches people take, yeah, I think that's what people pick up on is like, dude, like I feel so I feel this way about music. Sometimes I just experience counting crows. Oh my god, I was trying to explain CA like how apparently that band was not supposed to ever be just recorded. It was always supposed to be live. Like, I, I'm a firm believer that like, this experience was only supposed to be like, fully embodied through a live interaction. But I'm watching Adam sing these songs and he's been doing this for 30 years. And I felt like I shouldn't be in the room because it was that intimate. I was like, I shouldn't be here. Like, and, but it was this weird, like, it wasn't like he pushed it too far, but it was so close to that moment where I was like, 
he's so devoted to sharing this moment in time. Because if you've listened to County Crews, a lot of their songs are like just full stories. They're like storylines. And so when you're listening to them, like, like obviously the whole band, but like, especially when Adam's like on the mic and he's like sharing the story with you, it was almost like so intimate that I was like, should I be here? Like, should I be watching him have this moment with this music? Like, it's so intimate, right? And so I know that people will be like, do you actually get to experience that in comedy? And I go, we do, but it's typically in a different facet, right? So I've had those moments when I'm listening to a comedian and it's so like it's so intimately painful that is what i think Sia was talking about is that like you're almost like seeing the like reality of the pain come to light and because there's no collective resolve that's what you just said miles is like the idea of the tension never broke because that person didn't get through it fully right so you're experiencing the tension but they're embodying the tension and so you're watching it and you're like should I be here? Like, I want to laugh, but also I don't know if it's appropriate to do that. And so I think there's these creative experiences, like comedy, music, art, you know, like anything that's like massive creative energy, there's this like line. And I think that's really when we think about like how you're training new comedians up, like to be able to teach that to new comedians to be like, listen, like, it's intimate. To laugh with someone is intimacy. So if you're creating an intimate moment with them, you sure as hell better have that shit figured out for yourself or you're about to open a door you can't close, right? So I know musicians do that all the time, but they're like, it's fine, open it. I'm a raw, I'm raw. And I'm like, but I'm like, I don't know. Like, see, you just told me about that musician. What's the musician you told me that they made this huge pivot and you felt it. Yeah. Their album yeah. shifted. Mm-hmm. What was the yeah. Uh, there's a band I like called Beartooth. And all their, uh, like, previous body of work has been deeply, like, rooted in a lot of, like, family trauma and, and mental health issues and stuff. And then, like, their two most recent singles that they put out, massive tone shift. The music itself still absolutely slaps. But, like, the tone shift in the lyricism is, like, moving into this really healed place and um while we were talking about that in the context of the previous episode with regards to like can you still make good art post healing and so let's talk about that with comedy right like let's just like call a spade a spade like people like all over the world there's this trope of like trauma makes you funny and so I think I bet comics worry like if I don't like stay traumatized I won't be funny anymore so yes. I'm curious um, what your thoughts are on that. Oh, yeah. No, I come across that often. And I've had, you know, friendships that, you know, I've had over the last 15 years in doing this where that very much so became difficult. We butted heads in our friendship over that aspect because um, I it, it very much so is how I think that the association that we have is because it's how we armored up. And it's 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 the shield we chose early on is 
whatever it was, whether, you know, it was your parents treating you a certain way and you armored up with humor or at school, you got treated a certain way and you armored up with humor, like whatever it ends up being, humor was the thing that you kind of used to defend yourself and it got you through it, you know? Um, and so when we get to a point of success in our careers because of the humor being that way, we go, well, no, I think it's the association with the armor aspect and not the humor. We look at it as the thing that protected us. And so if I change that right now, then I will not be protected. And I think it's more of a focus on, well, that's just kind of you admitting you're not healed because being healed, I think, is uh, you're not going to worry as much about what's going to need to be the thing outside of you that protects you. And then knowing yourself there's a lot of like, no, people are going to try and throw stones from whatever angle, whether it's the internet or who knows where. And I know who I am as a person. So what used to really cut a deeping wound in me and I needed that humor shield to stop that from happening, that doesn't really happen anymore because this is doing better. You know, I acknowledge that this is just the work in progress and it never ends until you die. And so I embrace that and I'm going to move forward with a better foot forward because of that acknowledgement. I think that's where the disconnect is with comics is we go, no, this protected me. And if I bring it down, then I'm not going to be safe. And it's like, OK, well, that's just you acknowledging that you haven't healed. So we need to work on how do we heal that? And the worry of, oh, no, I'll heal and I won't be as funny. It's not true. It's not true. Like, I mean, how many artists do you know? I mean, from a music level, especially who growed and evolved. And like you were just talking about the band, like completely different tone right now still slaps like it's and that's now just the people that were along for the journey when you were in that starting phase and they see you go through this change. Yeah, there's going to be people that fall off, but that's OK. You weren't for them anyway. They're at a different point in their life. You're going to be there for people who are really into where you're going. You know, and those are the people that you always want to make sure you're being able to create for and because those people are going to be down for the ride. You know, you're like, I'm completely going to be a never ending work in progress that I want to keep growing and changing and evolving. And I need people who are down for that energy. Otherwise, we're just going to stay back in that unhealed place. And then you're it's just going to all start to unravel. You know, I've seen relationships suffer as a result of it and things just kind of get burned down in the name of, but I won't be funny. And it's like, yeah, you will be. You, what if it's all just a matter of what if, right? It's like none of these, neither one of these stories has actually played itself out yet. It's just a matter of right. where you're putting your energy. So do you want to put it into the what if of like, I'm not funny? Yeah, but what if you are? What if you are so much funnier? What if the thing that you are leaving your imprint on this lifetime hasn't even been created yet. The best bit that you have yet to write that is going to touch the world in a way that is going to transcend comedy as an art form in general. What if you haven't written that bit yet because you're still worried about, oh no, but I won't be funny if I don't, if I heal, like you got to let that shit go. Like grow, evolve, change. It'll do through its own ebb and flows. But no, there's so many comics who healed their shit and now they're funnier now. And then I feel like I've gone through a big healing phase of my life and I'm funnier now. I'm able to look at serious subjects and I feel confident in, no, I could bring this to stage because I know there's a way I can do it. And I know what the most important things are in presenting this idea in a comedic way. So, and that came from having found some level of healedness. I love that. And I think that's where comedy 
done well almost like facilitates communal healing in that space, right? Because it's like as the audience receiving and participating in that in that comedy, it's like we are we might not be going through the same exact situation that you're talking about on stage, but like all of our minds are kind of rolling through similar situations in our own lives. And when we hear a a comic like flesh it out in a way that you can tell is from a healed place and in a way that brings levity and we're allowed to like release our own personal tensions through this like collective laughter together i think that's incredibly healing for for us as like a community together which is why like yeah when comedy is done right i think it can be a, a really useful part of our like overall healing journey yeah. I think it's like our recommit. So our last episode was, I think it just released whatever. It, we're on ago. a two week gap now. So I think it was yesterday, two couple days ago. And it was all about suffering and how some people will almost like create this like trope or identifier in their life that like suffering must be constant. Right. So for example, if your suffering is bound to your creative process, which is where a lot of people get their creative energy. It's like, yes, of course, that's going to produce like some serious, like profound, some people's profound masterpieces, their artwork, their compositions, like these beautiful things that are like breathtakingly tragic or something come out of that pain. And it is, it is like art to be like, you know, gazed at and just profoundly just taken aback from. And there's this fear of like, if suffering produced that much of a great energy, what happens if I go to therapy? So a lot of the book that we were reading from this book that I just finished called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And she talks about creatives, creatives in general. So comedians, artists, musicians, all these things. And when she talked about their commitment to pain and she related it to that being completely married to their creative process, like it's dangerous, right? Because she's like, I've met people that will refuse to get help for their addiction. They never, they, they say therapy will lose, it will take away their talent and like what you just said is like it's that fear it's like what's on the other side of this armor and that's what we talk when we're connecting the healing process right if for all the folks listening right when we're trying to connect the healing process what we're trying to do is we're trying to not identify with the traumas that massively disrupted our natural talent so you already have the talent let me talk to everyone listening you already are funny, musical, artistic. You already have that beautiful poetic energy inside of you. You have all of these talents and trauma came into the story, which means you had to figure out how to be creative and talented in spite of that trauma. And you did it. You took that trauma. You were talented in spite of that trauma. And you continue to figure out how to make yourself successful. It is not Trauma is the parent that formed you. It is, you were already formed. Trauma came into the picture. You adapted and still were successful anyways. So when I'm trying to speak to, I mean, it's not just creatives, but it's for anyone on their healing journey. Like if you start telling yourself, 
the reason I'm like this is because of blah, 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 blah. I'm like, mm, like, if we can like unlearn that part and say, I was valuable like this before. I was already, and people are like, I don't remember the before. And I'm like, for some of my people, for some of the people I work with, for some of our listeners, they probably don't remember before because their trauma started when they were born and they were neglected from birth. They had traumas in their infancy and in their toddlerhood and before they had memories. So I'm not saying that's not like some people's reality. Absolutely. They can have not a recollection of like, was there a before? But if I can tell you, your bare bones, humanity, untouched by trauma, having an expression of like creative processing or singing or art or poetry, whatever it is, you have the talent. The trauma was disrupting it and you figured it out anyways. You know what I'll say? that's a thing for people. It is. And you know what I'll say though? I will add to this. I will say I'm going to hold space for the contingency of humans that maybe, maybe, especially with humor, I think in particular with that like armor concept, like maybe it was a more or less direct result of certain trauma or bullying experiences. I'm still not going to discount the fact though, that even if you developed this as a defense mechanism, you still have that skill. So it's still, you're still able to detach the skill from the where where it was developed. So even if it was developed as a defense mechanism from your schoolyard bullies, well, guess what? You developed it and now you have that skill and it's a really strong skill that you have. You don't need to constantly be like attaching it to like however you learned it. Like if if I if I learned survival skills because I was in a plane crash and you know had to survive on an island by myself, take me off that island. I still have those skills. I don't need to be in hardcore survival mode to be able to utilize those skills. I still know how to build a fire from scratch, even though I learned how to do it as a survival skill. That doesn't mean the skill goes away just because I'm no longer in that like trauma survival experience. So I wanted to hold space for that specifically with comedy because I feel like sometimes I'm going to disagree with you. I'm kidding. I'm not going (laughs) to, I'm not going to do, but I do want to say this. If I go real existential here, the ingenuity was there. You have the ability to take your pain And you already have that processing, that talent to take that and shift it into something that actually helped you, right? And in this moment, shielding from pain is helping you. That's how people describe trauma. I say, listen, it is an armor. You don't need to wear your rest of your life. You can learn other skills, take the armor off, but you did have the ability to on the fly MacGyver life, which is great. And- Some people don't MacGyver life like you do. So I didn't use humor. I use like deep poetic thought, which you guys should, oh my God, read my, you want some comedy bits, Miles? Go into my nine-year-old journal of my poetry. That shit is dark. (laughs) Oh no. That shit is dark. One of these days I'm going to bring my nine-year-old poetry on here and someone's like, someone get this little girl, like give her a hug. Like this is so sad fucking sad and I sit there and I go but that that's what I mean like what I, I'm not saying I disagree it's more like an add-on to you see it was the it idea. was a power it was a power yes. up what you got you got a power up and people look at that power up because it made them feel like they were enough in the moment when up until that point there was an outside entity that was making them feel like they weren't enough and so so much of what you y'all are talking about is like you've always been enough this was just a power up so 
if you were always enough, then this was just a bonus. So where you go from here, healing, it could only go up. That's 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 the only place this goes is up. Why do you see the down? And it's because they don't look at it as the power up. They're like, oh, well, I wasn't enough. And then I was because of this humor. Well, OK, no, 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 you were enough. And then one person just bled all of their wounds on you and made you feel like you weren't enough. And that's them, not you. So you got the power up to be able to deal with that. And now that you can heal that, you can go forward and be like, oh, man, I'm enough. And I have this thing. Isn't that super duper cool? You know, so but that's really hard based off of what type of feeling you felt of not being enough. You know, the the scale goes crazy one way uh, as opposed to the other. So, yeah, uh, I, I think we should all be lucky if we can recognize that that's what's happened. But I think that's at its core. That's what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, we do have to probably wrap up because we're going to the hour, but listen, I think this is really beautiful because there's so much to be said about, first of all, just the creative process and then how to utilize the creative process. And then the perceptions around the creative process, like you, if you, if your talent was bound to like how fucked up you were, Miles, like you wouldn't have any incentive to get better. You wouldn't want to yeah. go to therapy. You wouldn't want to help your relationships. You would say, I'm just a lone, you know, I'm a lone ranger. You know, I'm going to live my life alone and never try to figure this out. And I sit there and I go, there are some people that come to that conclusion. I'm sure you know some, I know some, right? Where whether they're a comedian or something else, they've just resolved themselves to say, I guess this is just how the cookie crumbled. And I'm just never going to be successful unless I keep this pain so prioritized, so presenting, so pedestaled that like, if I take this off, I'm going to be left in the wilderness. And like when me and CA talk on this podcast, we talk about most of the healing we do is in the wilderness. We don't have the next step, right? People are like, well, you're on a podcast. You're telling us the next step. And I'm like, Dude, half the time, I just went through a depressive episode a month ago. Like, I'm still, like, forming some of these things because healing isn't linear. So, like, we're going to go through those moments and we are going to have to commit ourselves to either pedestaling our pain or prioritizing the processing of healing. Right. And so it's so interesting meeting someone like a creative like you, Miles, because it's I I can hear it. Like I can definitely hear the growth that you've done just because of how you're talking about your process. Like I can I, I always can tell like people who use the like language of healing. I'm like, I can tell like you've been able to like take so much of that. And I commend you for that. I think you need to be, you know, some, I, I hope more people tell you how brave you are because it's incredibly brave to look at your creative process and say, I choose healing. And if on the other side, I'm not as funny, I choose healing. Like I will figure it out. And that's incredibly yeah. brave. I'm going to wrap well, up you. by saying thank you to Miles, not only for being here as a guest on our podcast, this was such a great conversation. I got a lot out of it and I know our listeners will too. So thank you for being here, but also just like, thank you for being the voice that you are in your field and like helping coach other comics to like ride that balance of like, how do we, how do we be funny and, and use our trauma, but not like (laughs) 
upset people in the process and not like bleed our trauma onto our audiences. Thank you for that. Thank you for helping us collectively heal through the gift of laughter. I really appreciate that art form. And I feel like it doesn't get enough praise as a form of healing. I think people are like, oh, it's a great form of entertainment. But I don't think enough people realize just how healing laughter and comedy is. So thank you for shedding some light on that. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah, no, this is a a great thing to talk about. Because like you said, I feel like not a lot of people are looking at this side of the coin. When your special comes out in the fall, how do people, we're going to have everybody, we're going to have all of Miles' links in the show notes. So please check that out for all of his socials and all of that. Is is that one of the links that's going to be in our notes? Do we have that already? Or how do people watch it? My special will be coming out in the next four to six weeks on YouTube. So if you just plug okay. me into YouTube, Perfect. Uh, my YouTube channel is at Miles Weber Joker, or if you just look at my name, specials will pop up. But yeah, it'll be out and then you can follow me on social media and there will be clips from it being released on that. Uh, and you Perfect. can see me live uh, and get tickets to see me live. I'm getting ready to go on tour this year all around the country. So uh, MilesWeber.com for tickets and then GreenroomTalk.org for uh, comedy coaching and all that fun stuff so you can not bleed Perfect. your trauma all over people and it can be like funny <laughs> and be healing for everybody instead yay yes I love it thank you so much Miles we appreciate you coming on and thank you all for listening today thanks for having me bye Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollect itself and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work 